to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Also, follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. We do one each and every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, leave a rating and a review as well. That would be fantastic. All right, so a couple of things that we're going to go through today. Um, there was, uh, we're kind of going to have a bit of a weekend wrap-up where both Kyle Dubas and Joe Thornton spoke to media. So we're just going to talk about some of the things that were said during that media availability um, as to why Dubas brought Thornton in and, and what you know they're expecting of him and what he's expecting of himself and what he's expecting of the team. So I actually have a couple of clips that I'm going to play uh, from that press conference. You can hear it straight from the horse's mouth itself. Uh, so we're going to be t- chatting about that. And then Ilya Mikheyev, this is interesting, files for arbitration, which is not the interesting part. We knew that this was coming, uh, but the hearing's going to be on Wednesday. But you're going to want to stick around here how much money Ilya Mikheyev has filed for. It's a little bit higher than I think most people were expecting. And I'll explain why it's not really that big of a deal. But uh, we are going to talk about uh, the curious case of Mikheyev's arbitration. Uh, so we'll discuss that. And then also, like I said, there's a couple of players out there still on the free agency market that I think maybe the Leafs could have interest in, right? Whether they do have interest in or whether they sign these players, I don't know. But the three guys who I think may fit what the Leafs still need. So we'll also go through that. But let's talk about uh, what went down over the weekend. So both Kyle Dubas and Joe Thornton both got in their press conferences uh, welcoming Joe and and Dubas just in general, talking about free agency and what's going to be happening over the next little bit. But um, And it was funny because Thornton actually did it, I believe, after his game in Davos. So on Friday when I was doing, when I first, you know, it was basically breaking news. I didn't really know what was going to happen with Thornton. It looks like he is going to stay over in Switzerland, actually, and just kind of, uh, he's going to play and stay in shape, and get a good sweat, a good skate, and he had an assist uh, in his very first game over there. I believe he played up to 15 minutes. So, uh, staying in shape just in time for when the, the, the NHL season begins, whether that's you know, December, January, February, whenever it happens. Uh, but it looks like Thornton is is currently in Switzerland, and it seems like he's going to stay there uh, for the time being. But uh, let's listen to a couple of clips here about what they had to say about this signing. So I'm going to start with Kyle Dubas, and let's hear what he had to say as to why he brought in Joe Thornton and what he believes that Jumbo can bring to this team on the ice I think he's a good fit in, in terms of um, the skill set that that has made him into one of the best players of, of his generation and, and still allow, still allows him uh, to be a successful and effective player um, at a time when when many that entered the league at his time have retired save for one notable one and, and Patty Marlowe and, and Zidane Chara being the other on the back end so and that is his playmaking and I think when we're looking to construct our team we know that we have guys, whether it's Austin, John, William, uh, even Mitch with his, his ability to make plays at the net that, that, that can really benefit from, from a high-end playmaker um, up and down the lineup on the power play and at even strength, depending on how Sheldon utilizes it. So that was, that was the, the on-ice portion of it. Um, still shows the ability to drive play. Uh, even at this stage in his career and, and, um, it, and he's not, it's not like his minutes have diminished all too much 
um, over the last couple of years and still around that 15 minutes a night mark. So still very capable of playing and being a good player for us. And we think it'll be a good fit with the, the forwards that we already have, Chris. And then uh, I think just as importantly is, is the off the ice portion of it is someone who I think you don't have to read too much or ask too many people to realize that his love of hockey and his spirit for the game is, is up there with, uh, with anybody that's been, that's around hockey at this time. And I, I think thing that excites me Sheldon and I think even our players and the feedback that they got from talking to players who played with Joe or being around Joe is just uh, what he's going to bring to the locker room and in terms of his attitude and his mindset each day and especially as we're continuing to grow uh, as a group um, I think that'll be a very very important uh, addition to us and something that we've tried to focus on this offseason. So there it is that's uh, GM Kyle Dubas on what he thinks Joe Thornton will be able to bring to the group and why they brought him in. And like I said on Friday, pretty much off the ice is where he's going to have the biggest impact, I believe, and that's going to be, you know, as part of the leadership group. This team has had issues, right? There's, there's uh, Babcock said that they, they lacked identity, and then Sheldon Keefe came out and said a little bit into his tenure that, you know, they were a little immature, they didn't play with enough maturity, so you bring in a, a guy like Joe Thornton, a grizzled vet at 41 years old, who, you know, is kind of a no-nonsense, let's go out there and let's put our best foot forward every single shift type of player, and you try and instill that into this young group. And I think that's fantastic. So that's where I believe he is going to have the most success, is kind of shaping maybe the way that this core, uh, this young core that they have, work together going forward. Something that I, I felt think was really interesting in what Dubas said, and we're going to have to wait to hear from Sheldon Keefe and, and kind of get into training camp before I suppose we really uh, know where he's going to play in the lineup. But the way that he was speaking about Thornton and his playmaking skills, and, and he was talking about how, you know, when he can, his creativity and, and his playmaking skills and how he could get the puck to John, Willie, and Austin leads me to believe that they may want him to play up in the lineup a little bit. Because he didn't just say on the power play, he also said at 5-on-5. So this whole time, we're kind of sitting here thinking, and we're going to discuss this actually a little bit later when we talk about Ilya Mikheyev, but this whole time, I've been under the impression that this is really more of a locker room signing and someone who they could play on the fourth line. Um, If injuries start to occur, he could play up you know, as third-line center if need be. But shoot, maybe they think that he could potentially play in the top six. I think that's a little crazy and a little far-fetched. And to be quite frank, asking a little bit much of Thorne at this point in his career. But it's interesting. And it's true. He is an option if need be at that point, right? Like, they don't really have a guy who could go up and down the lineup anymore. They got a bunch of bottom sixers. Right, like I think Kapanen was somebody who could play up and down the lineup. Janssen was a guy who could play up and down the lineup. I don't see that much anymore out of this new bottom six. The new bottom six is kind of solidified as third and fourth line players. But a guy like Joe Thornton, I guess because of his playmaking ability, he's somebody who could take a few shifts at five on five up in the top six. You know, have a couple of shifts with Austin Matthews. Potentially, you know, coming off of, let's say, like a, a penalty kill where, where Zach Hyman just finished up killing off a penalty. All right, Jumbo, come over the ice with Austin Matthews. 
Maybe you could tee him up for a nice one-timer. So it, it does give Keith some some options and some flexibility. So in that regard, and I didn't kind of think about that on Friday when I was discussing it, but I really do actually see a little bit more on-ice um, positives than I did even on Friday. So I like that. Uh, let's hear a little bit from Joe Thornton. Let's hear on his expectations for this team and his unprovoked fan affair, fanfare with a particular Maple Leaf. This is a really intriguing clip that I'm about to play. It's going to be funny at the beginning, but then note what he says at the end. I love their goalie. I really, really do. Uh, I like Freddie a lot. I think that was, you know, a big part of, um, you know, my decision here. I think he's a great goalie. I think that they're, you know, up the middle, they're very, very strong. I think adding TJ Brody on the back end, you know, really, um, you know, solidifies their D. I need to win a Stanley Cup, and I think this is, you know, a great team that uh, that can do that. Jumbo Joe, in the twilight of his career, looking to win a Stanley Cup, and he opts to sign in Toronto. Clearly, he sees something in this team, in this locker room. We all know how skilled they are, but can they dial it in? And can they get it done? They haven't been able to do so yet. They haven't even been able to win a single playoff series yet. Now, does a guy like Joe Thornton put them over the edge? No. But what Joe brings is leadership. And he can dish in a little bit here and there. But as he talked about, the addition of TJ Brody is huge. Because that's also going to make Freddie Anderson better with a better better uh, defense out in front of him. I'm not too sure why he has this, this you know, uh, love for Freddie Anderson. I guess because he would have played against him quite a bit back when uh, when Freddie was in, in Anaheim. And maybe he just robbed him a few times. He just couldn't beat Freddie. So he's under the impression that he's a really good goaltender. Listen, he is a good goalie. He just hasn't been able to win in the big games. He hasn't been able to steal the games in the playoffs when the Leafs need him to. This year's a bad example, I would say, because... You know, he played out of his mind and nobody else could score goals. But this year aside, you know, he's kind of been a little underwhelming in the playoffs so far. But to Joe Thornton, he believes that Freddie is a quality goaltender who he believes has an opportunity to help bring him a Stanley Cup ring. So who might argue? I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that he's coming to Toronto... And, and says, like, I'm coming here to win a Stanley Cup. This is going to be an interesting year. There's a lot of turnover, just like we saw last year, which I think was a big reason why there was a bit of a lack of identity. But I think that this year is different because the turnover is veterans who know how to play in the league. They know how to adapt. So it's a little bit different in my opinion. Uh, Joe Thornton will wear, will not wear number 19. No. Instead, he will wear number 97, the number that he usually sports with a maple leaf on his chest when he's playing internationally. Now, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not Joe Thornton was going to wear 19 because Jason Spezza has 19 currently with the Leafs and whether or not Spezza would be asked to give it up for Thornton. 
And this is what Joe Thornton had to say when asked what number if if there was a conversation between him and Spezza about what number he planned on wearing. So here's that conversation now. He FaceTimed me yesterday and said, hey, man, you want number 19? I said, nope, I'm not taking anything from you. So I just, uh, you know, it's a real nice gesture from him, but um, I'm going to wear 97. Um, I've wore it in some international terms before. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – we got a good laugh at it. But, yeah, he's, he's a special guy, and um, it was nice one, but, no, not going to take it from him. And I like that. I like that a lot. That's mutual respect from veteran to veteran. Joe Thornton is a future Hall of Famer. And no disrespect to Jason Spezza, but I do not believe he is. He's a heck of a hockey player, but I just don't see him as a Hall of Famer. So, you could see why Spezza would feel like he would need to offer up number 19, like he did, good gesture, but also... Joe Thornton has the respect of a guy like Spezza who's been in the league now for almost 20 years, and he's not going to take his number off him. He's earned it 20 years in the league to have whatever number he wants, especially when he's been with that team for longer than he has at least, even if it is only one season. So that's a respect. You know, I don't think that's going to go unnoticed within that organization. If I'm noticing it, I'm sure a bunch of others noticed it. Dubis, I'm sure, did. Keefe, I'm sure, did. And heck, hopefully the youngsters also noticed it. Um, all right, so we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, let's chat about the Ilya Mikheyev arbitration case. But before we do that, let me tell you guys all about Built Bar. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. And right now, you can get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a chance at a free cooler and 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is the Locked On Lease podcast. I am the host, Mike DiStefano. We are continuing our conversation here. Uh, actually, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to discuss the curious case of Ilya Mikheyev and his arbitration hearing upcoming this Wednesday. So, uh, Ilya Mikheyev has submitted his arbitration case, and he wants $2.4 million on a one-year deal. The Leafs countered with two years at a million per. So they are $1.3 million off AAV, 
and the Leafs are asking for an extra year. Uh, look, this is common, right? I think players typically come in high, teams come in a little low, and then they meet somewhere in the middle. It always happens. I mean, they could end up coming up with a deal in the next 24 hours or even before you guys hear this podcast and they don't have to go to, to arbitration at all. I mean, often some arbitration hearings are scheduled and you're about an hour away from the arbitration and all of a sudden, oh, we are announcing an extension, which is also very, very possible. But I don't know if the Leafs get there because um, because McKayev initiated the arbitration, the Leafs get to pick the term of it. So they could either do a one- or a two-year term. And he's going to have to play for, for, for that dollar amount, whatever whether it's a one-year or a two-year. He's got to play at that anyway. So I think that the Leafs uh, would prefer this to go to arbitration and hope to get him around two years at about $1.5 million. So about a two-year deal worth $3 million total. I think at one point five or one point two five, they could stomach that for the next couple of years, especially as somebody who you expect to play in your top six. At worst, your middle six. Right at worst, he's your third line winger. And the only downside to a two year deal is that it, it technically walks McCabe right to unrestricted free agency. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to sign him to a one-year deal and then have to do the same thing next year? You might as well just lock him in for two seasons, especially in a flat cap, know how much money you got going forward, and then go from there. Especially when you have guys like Zach Hyman and uh, Freddie Anderson up for renewals this year, and you got to figure out, you know, where's this money going to be coming from? And how do you have the money already allocated? For the following year. So Ilya Mikheyev. Um, 1.5 million for a guy on your second line. Seems like a lot. And it does. But let's not forget. Who he actually is. He's 26 years old. I know people just kind of forget that. Because he you know is, is uh, a 25 year old rookie last year. His first season in the NHL at 25. It doesn't happen a lot. He seems like a younger player. Seems like he's maybe like 22 or 23, but he's not. He's actually 26 at this present time. And, uh, you know, how much further can he really develop at 26 already? Maybe a little bit. But I I don't know if he's going to become, you know, a, a phenom. He's played in 44 NHL games. 44. 39 in the regular season before getting injured. And then he played in all five playoff games. So in the regular season, he was pretty productive. Eight goals, 15 assists, 23 points in 39 games. Played well on the penalty kill. Played really well on the penalty kill, actually. Mainly was a bottom sixer for a majority of of, uh, the season. And then did get some time playing in the top six on the second line. And then he got injured. And he came back in the playoffs. And he was playing again right away on that second line with Tavares and Marner. Got goosed. Zero points through five games. The old Sam Mitchell 
Zero, 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 zero. My Raptors fans, I think you'll remember that one. So it, it makes this arbitration case a little bit interesting. Because, yeah, okay, he's somebody who looked very intriguing through the first couple of months of the season. But then he got hurt. And there's not much else to go off of. Right? Like, he's played less than 50 games in his career. Some are even kind of surprised that he decided to go to arbitration. And I'll thank um, James Myrtle from The Athletic for this little tidbit here. But I know that Myrtle was writing about him going to arbitration, said that there was only one player in and around the same amount of NHL games who decided to go to arbitration like him, and that was uh, Jamal Smith, who played in 63 games and had 17 points before he elected to uh, free, or not free agency, elected to go to arbitration. And he was only given a one-year deal for $720,000. Right? So that's all he got. Now, I, I understand that, you know, 17 points in 63 games is a lot less than 23 points in, was it, 39 games? I get that. He's a better player than, than Jamal Smith. I don't even know if he's still in the NHL. I think If he is, he's like a fourth liner. I, I understand this. And McCabe, at least, is a middle six guy. But I don't know if he's going to get close to his $2.4 million that he's asking for when he's only played 44 games in the NHL. There's just not enough of a sample size to base that type of contract on. There's no precedent to give him that type of money either. So it's going to be interesting, but I, I, what I... what is beneficial is the fact that if they do get him on like a one and a half million or a one point, you know, between 1.25 and 1.6 million, they could get it for two seasons, which means if he does progress to be a quality second liner, like he was on pace for, for over 50 points this year. If he does that again over the next couple of seasons, man, you're getting a bargain at that price. And then it'll be expensive when he's a UFA two years from now. But then there's also, if you only offer him, or if the arbitrator comes back at like one and a half million, he also has the ability to leave for the KHL and go back to Russia. Now that's always a possibility with Russians, which is why there was kind of for a while in the draft, uh, Russians would slide a little bit just because there was kind of that, that X factor that, well... What if they leave, kind of like the Kostitsins did, and Radulov did that at some point uh, in his career. And, I mean, technically, Yessi Puyarvi did something very similar where he went back. Uh, Valery Nichushkin ended up leaving and going back and playing in the KHL. So uh, it happens a lot, and he very well could if he wanted to, but I believe that they'll get something situated here, and uh, he'll he'll be a Maple Leaf next season at a, at a pretty good rate. For the Leafs. I, I truly do believe it. Because if he's not on the second line, he is a top, top-notch third liner who can also kill penalties. And, and he just plays with so much spunk. I, I honestly love him. Superman. He's Superman. Right? S-O-U-P-E-R-M-A-N. Not, yeah, you know what I mean. 
<laughs> All right, let's take uh, let's take another quick break. When we come back, I will quickly go over the three UFAs that I think the Leafs could sign. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. I am Mike DiStefano, your host of this program. Uh, and just a reminder that we do do podcasts each and every day, uh, at least three times a week, at the very least. Um, okay, so we talked about Thornton. We talked about Mikheyev. Now let's talk about some guys who we could add to the team. I got my top three UFAs that I think the Leafs could slash should sign. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they need to. This is just kind of a wish list and a want list for if we can, like, get some perfection within the lineup. Uh, so the first guy that here that's here on my list is Eric Halla. Uh, centerman. Um, played uh, last year in, where was he last year? Florida and Carolina. Uh, he was in Carolina, technically, and then got traded to Florida. And then, yeah, left his UFA. Here's He would be a perfect third-line center here for Toronto. I think he would be more of a fit at third-line center than a guy like Alex Kerfoot. And the way that the market is right now, I, I just feel like you could get him on a bargain deal on like a, a one- or two-year contract, and maybe you that gives you an, an, an opportunity to move Kerfoot if there's interest around the league, right? Because I think you, you bring in a guy like Eric Halla, he's better. He's a, he's a better two-way player. He's better offensively. He's somebody who has actually, you know, scored nearly 30 goals in an NHL season, unlike Kerfoot. So he can kind of quarter. He, he can play on the second power play. He can kill penalties. He can play on your third line. He's somebody who you can move up if an injury occurs and feel good about it, feel at least better than you would with if you're having to move up a guy like Kerfoot. You know, so so I think that just overall, Eric Halla would give more flexibility than a player like Kerfoot, and he's still out there. And if he can get him on a, a rather cheap deal, like a, a, a two years at six million in total, so a three million dollar AAV, a that's half a million cheaper than Kerfoot, and you can move on from him and move him out, and you have a better player at a cheaper rate, and for a year less as well, so that technically that contract would expire the same year that uh, Morgan Riley would expire. So you would also just, you know, you could use that extra cap to put towards Morgan Riley. So that's that's my first one. Um, the only thing I, I'm not sure he would sign in Toronto because, I, you know, he was technically the top center out on the open market this year. There wasn't a lot of centermen, uh, especially if he's the number one, to be honest, because he's not that great. Like I said, I'm, I'm thinking of him as a third liner here in Toronto. But... I would think that a guy like Eric Halla, who's 29, probably looking for a multi-year deal, and if not, and he's looking to just sign a one-year contract, kind of like we saw with Taylor Hall, where he's looking to go in a good situation, I don't know if Toronto would be that, just because he's not going to get the minutes and the and the production that he may be able to get on a different team. So I don't know if he would have interest in Toronto for that reason. It's kind of like opposite of Thornton, where Thornton's like, okay, I just want to go to a team where I can win. I, I don't care if they give me top six minutes, bottom six minutes, fourth line minutes, whatever it is, I just want to go to a team where I think can win a cup, and, and he believes Toronto could do that. Eric Hall is not at that point in his career. He needs to to, to, to produce, and if, if he comes here on the third line, he's not going to have that opportunity to shine. 
So he'll probably choose to go to somewhere like, you know, he could go he could go back to Winnipeg or back to Vegas actually because they did get rid of uh, Paul Stastny and and they could actually use another centerman. So maybe he goes back there or perhaps he ends up going to to Ottawa. They seem to be signing everybody and they're rather weak down the middle. Um, you know, so he he could go elsewhere where he could just get an opportunity to produce so that next year going into free agency, maybe he could get a, a bigger ticket. But um, yeah, Eric Hall is the number one guy I would like the Leafs to sign. I just find it probably going to end up being an unlikely deal that gets uh, struck between the two parties. The second one, Dominic Cahoon. And some of you guys may not know who he is. Uh, he's 25 years old. He's uh, German. And uh, he's going into his third year of his NHL career. So two years ago, he was in Chicago. And then he got traded to Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh ended up flipping him for Connor Sheary at the deadline to Buffalo. And he ended up playing with Buffalo for a little bit. And Buffalo decided not to pick up uh, his his RFA rights. They let him walk as a UFA instead of retaining his rights. I don't know why they did that because I feel like Dominic Cahoon is a good good middle six player who certainly could help Buffalo and could help Toronto at that. Like I like Cahoon. I I remember he was playing on a line with uh, Patrick Kane and I, th- I think it was Kane and Taze. It was either Kane and Taze or um, DeBrinket and Kane. He was with Kane and somebody else his first season in, in Chicago, and he had a really good run. So he's shown that if given the opportunities, you know, he can actually produce. Like, he's a guy, um, he's got 138 games played, 35 goals, 43 6, 68 points, averaging just over 13 minutes of ice time. So I think if if that got bumped up a little bit and he was given some more opportunity, I could see Dominic Cahoon being a solid middle six player. He's not an overly big guy, so it it would go a little bit against the grain of what it seems like Dubas and company are trying to do here when they're adding pieces to this Toronto team. They're pretty much adding, you know, vet, grit, size, and, and Cahoon's not really that. I think he's what, five eleven, buck buck seventy five, buck eighty. But he's a good skilled player, and he's somebody who you know, I said we need another top nine guy who could play up and down the lineup. Well, he would kind of be that. And I feel like at this point, you could get that guy for pretty cheap. And that leads me to my third player. And it's a lot of the same, uh, you know, the same things. He's, he's a good player who you can probably get on the cheap. And he's a guy who's played for Toronto before. And and you may look at me and say, really? What, why would you want to bring him back? As Michael Grabner. He's a little bit on the older side. I think he's about like 32 now. So... A veteran, but he's still speedy as all hell. And this guy's a PK specialist. I think like this guy scores <laughs> um, on the penalty kill more than like anybody in the league. It, it honestly seems like the last five years, I wouldn't doubt if he's the number one shorthanded goal scorer over the last little bit. Because that's all he does. But he's good depth. He can score. He has shown the ability to put the puck in the back of the net. Of course he has. He didn't do it when he was here in Toronto, but he's somebody who I wouldn't mind putting on the fourth line on a bottom dollar contract, that is. Like, if he's willing to come in on an $850,000, $900,000 contract where it's, you know, also variable and, and isn't going to cost any any money to keep him over another player, 
and he's somebody who could play up and down the lineup. You know, you need him to fill in in the top six with an injury. He could do that. He's done it. So I think Michael Grabner is another player I may be willing to entertain. And he would kind of replace uh, Kapanen's role on the penalty kill. Although I think we're also replacing him with, with you know Wayne Simmons and a healthy Ilya Mikheyev as well. So I suppose there's not really that much room to go <laughs> go around on the PK. But, you know, he could. Depth. It's just depth. That's what it is. Straight up depth. Um, I don't see the Leafs making any more big signings. But I think kind of a low-risk, high-upside guy like Dominic Cahoon could make some sense. Um, Eric Hall is kind of just wishful thinking for, you know, playing GM mode where I'm just trying to make the team a little bit a little bit better uh, for a little bit cheaper, but it's again probably an unnecessary signing uh, and probably won't happen. And then Grabner, yeah, he's somebody who I think could come in and just provide some good depth. And uh, the team doesn't have as much speed as they once had, and Grabner brings that in spades. Uh, so he just brings a little bit of a different element to the team. And uh, can also kill off some penalties while he's at it when he's in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, so those are the three UFAs that I think are intriguing options for the Maple Leafs if they if they aren't done and they decide to dip back into the market. I think those three would be three decent options that Toronto could go after. All right, I think we're going to leave that there. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Uh, follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest round the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.